Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are, we're back today with an extra special bonus episode. Yes, uh, annual Fright Fest episode. That's it is. That's it is. What's Fright Fest, Gary? Fright Fest is a horror film festival based in Leicester Square, London, that takes place the bank holiday weekend uh, from Thursday to Monday each year showcasing the latest in genre films. Yeah, yeah. So, mainly horror, Fright Fest, yeah. you know. Um, but there's some fantasy, sci-fi, yeah, genre films. Yeah. Let's say genre films. Yeah. But mainly horror. And we're here to tell you about all of our highlights from this year's festival. And now, obviously, it's a festival with, uh, I believe, 100 plus films. So we didn't get to watch absolutely everything. But we did get to watch a big chunk of them, uh, 27 altogether, including shorts. And uh, yeah, so we have narrowed it down. Fucking difficult this year. Mm-hmm. This is one of the strongest lineups that we've had in years at Fright Fest. Absolutely. Um, so it's a struggle to narrow them down. So we do have an honourable mentions uh, at the end of the episode. But we are discussing our 10 biggest highlights of feature length films. Yeah, so essentially these are the ten films that we, as a collective, would say you need to watch. Yeah. If you, if it's playing at your local cinema, if it comes onto streaming services, uh, we are here to say press play, give it a go. We liked these films. And there are others as well, but these are the ten we say you definitely have to look out for. Yeah, and uh, a few of these have release dates already, or they have some in a pipeline to be released. Mm-hmm. Some of these you never get to see ever again. You know, sometimes the distribution deals uh, don't come through, and it's a shame because, you know, we've watched a lot of great films over the years, some of which we've never heard of again, and we this is our way of saying keep an eye out for these films. If you watch them, obviously, you know, show your support online, let people know you want to see them, and, yeah, get them to more people. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Shudder has really helped. Shudder has definitely helped. The... Forgive me if I'm incorrect, but I think Shudder has progressed over the last few years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, when we first went to Fright Fest, so we've been doing this for seven years now, Shudder wasn't a word that was used too much. No, no, I, um, I don't even know if Shudder was... I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but it was a lot of these films really are hopefully getting on something like Shudder or Amazon Prime or or, yeah. or or Netflix, really. But, you know, I feel like Shudder has been the big proponent for these sorts of films. Yeah, Shudder uh, are released in both the opening and closing films mm. of this year's Fright Fest. Yeah. Um, before we get on to our highlights, we'd like to do a bit of uh, shameless self-promotion. For our own horror film festival. Yes. So I am, of course, the co-director of Gasp Horror Film Festival. And Chris is... What's your role? Assistant. Dog's body. <laughs> you're, you're, the, uh, I'm the face of the operation. I'm, I'm, out, gasp. I'm out front. <laughs> yes, Chris is the face of Gasp. Checking your tickets on the way in. But also... A much bigger part. He's not just Gasp's yes, little bitch. He is also <laughs> the man behind the website. And without the website, we won't be able to do a lot of what we do. So. <laughs> he doesn't give himself enough credit for it. 
Um, but yeah, we are Gasp Horror Film Festival. Our festival is dedicated specifically to minority filmmakers. So people of colour, people with disabilities, the LGBTQ plus community, female filmmakers and foreign language filmmakers. We take place in June each year. Next year is June 21st to 23rd. We are now a three-day festival because the first year went so well. Yes. And yeah, I mean, our, our purpose is to showcase the films that could be sidelined or not recognised or might not even make it into bigger festivals. You know, we want to... We want to showcase those minority voices uh, and let people see themselves on screen, whether it's behind or in front of the camera. And yeah, it's just a big project I'm really proud of and it takes place next year. But if you're a filmmaker listening to this, submissions open today. Yeah, today. September yes. the 1st. Yeah. So head over to Film Freeway. Me acting as if this is live. Of course, isn't live. Yes. <laughs> Head over to Film Freeway. Look at Gasp Horror Film Festival, and if you have something to submit and you fall into our guidelines, send it our way. Yeah, absolutely. Really looking forward to watching people's films. Yeah, I'm really looking forward yeah. to it. And me, and uh, we make all the hard choices as well. So what makes us slightly different to Fright Fest is there's less choice involved. We make the choices and put them on the screen. Yeah, we don't have multiple don't have screens. Multiple screens. Yeah, we only have There's one not a hundred films to choose from. There's some uh, but there's gonna be some excellent ones, yeah. I can tell. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're Gasp Horror Festival uh, across social media as well. Go and check that out. And without further ado, let's get to our Fright Fest highlights. So first up we have It Lives Inside, directed by Bichel Duta. Uh, it follows an Indian-American teenager who is struggling with her cultural identity and has a fallen out with her former best friend and in the process unwittingly releases a demonic entity that grows stronger by feeding on her loneliness. Yeah, I love these kinds of horror films. It's not reinventing the wheel. No, it is. It's another curse film. It's a curse film. It... it... It differentiates itself from so many other films with its cultural identity. Yeah. And the fact that it is a film that deals with this sort of Indian American identity mm -hmm. and being stuck between two different cultures. Yeah. You know, the, the, the main girl, um, uh, Samida, she is trying to be... The quintessential American schoolgirl, popular, um, but it's difficult for her, isn't it? Yeah, yes. And it's dealt with really well. So this is absolutely a horror film, straight up. No way around it. It yeah. is creepy, it's eerie, and the cast do a fantastic job. It's great to see Betty Gabriel here. She's really not in enough films, but whenever she's been in something we've watched, she's always been fantastic. Um... And, yeah, just everyone in this cast does such an amazing job. It's a really, really good-looking film as well. The cinematography is fantastic. Really creepy score. And it's kind of like... It feels like a modern Nightmare on Elm Street in many ways as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it, it sort of wears its influences on its sleeves yeah. in that sense. And the themes are very much of depression and accepting your heritage whilst trying to fit into a new environment. And those themes are always on display. You know, it's really easy to see them. 
Uh, and yeah, no, I just, I really think this is a fantastic film and it is one of the Fright Fest films that is getting a wide release uh, at the end of this month. Yeah, yeah, really excited for people to see this film on the big screen, yeah. you know, wide release. I think it's got a very important message. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it, it's like we say with Gasp, um, it's about being able to see yourself yeah. on the big screen and being able to identify with characters on another level it's so important to people yeah particularly you know minorities and mm-hmm. the lgbtq plus community and, and such so yeah really really pleased that this is getting a wide release next up we have haunted ulster live directed by dominic o'neill uh, it's set on halloween night when jerry burns teams up with popular children's presenter michelle kelly to investigate poltergeist activity in a house in a haunted house in Belfast. Sound familiar? Sounds a little familiar. To one of my favourite films, the yeah. film we've covered on the podcast previously. Which one would that be? That would be Ghostwatch. Ghostwatch. This is the Irish version of Ghostwatch. Yeah, it's the. I wouldn't say parody. It's not a parody. It's not an a homage. Parody. Yeah. But a comedy. It's comedic homage. Yeah, so this is really unique, this film. It's completely took me by surprise because you've got the first half of the film where it is a straight-up comedy. Mm. Um, You know, there are satirical elements in there. It's very much everything it does within that first half is based on Ghostwatch. You know, the characters... Um, you know, you got an equivalent for each one from Ghostwatch in there. The, the humor's really funny. You know, it's just, it just feels like it's going to be a silly comedy and that's it. Once you hit the second half, it takes a bit of a turn. It goes really inventive with what it does. And it's actually really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is actually creepy in parts, much like Ghostwatch yeah. as well. So it, it plays into... The campness, yeah. really, of Ghostwatch, as scary as Ghostwatch was, is also high camp. Yeah. Now, looking back over uh-huh. the decades, it's, you know, quite silly, really. Yeah. And Haunted Austin Live actually manages to deal with both of those parts yeah. of Ghostwatch and, and sort of create this, you know, love letter. To yeah. Ghostwatch, and that's what I fully believe it is. Yeah, one of the biggest standouts is Antoinette Morelli, who plays uh, Sinead Love. Mm. Sinead Love. Do you know how anything to say about Sinead, Sinead Love? Love? I've got a lot to say about Sinead Love. She wore the same coat that my mum wore in 1998. <laughs> she is high camp. She's giving Derek Cora yeah, and Ivy together. Yeah. Yvette Fielding. Um, and she is very much the sort of... Uh, I wouldn't say satirical, but the the comedic parody of Most Haunted. Yes. Those YouTube videos that are like, oh, there's a uh, orb. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, a speck of dust. Or uh-huh. Could, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah. Sort of uh, YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fantastic. She's definitely one of my biggest highlights. And I also love the uh, 90s set pieces as well. 
They managed. They managed to get the feeling of the nineties perfectly within twenty twenty three. That's very impressive. Thing. I don't know if they built the house or somebody had just left their house like yeah. that for the last like thirty <laughs> years. <laughs> Next up, we have Cobweb, directed by Samuel Bowden. And this follows an eight year old boy who tries to investigate the mysterious knocking sounds that are coming from inside the walls of his house. Unveiling a dark secret that his sinister parents have kept hidden from him. Yeah. Um, the trailer's been out for this one for a the while. The trailer's been out Again, for a while. Again, this is another wide release. Yeah. Um, I believe it is Lion's Gate, I think they said. Okay. Um, at Fright Fest. Yeah, so this is another wide release uh, that is currently out in cinemas now, I believe. Or next week. Either way. Yeah. Check your cinema listings. Check it's your coming cinema. to you soon. Check your local cinema listings. Uh, each year now, last three years, we've had a film that's come along where the trailer looks generic. It looks like it's leading to one thing. Something happens and it leads to another. So two years ago, we had Malignant. Last year, we had Barbarian. This is 2023's answer to those kind of films. Yeah. Without giving anything away, because this is obviously a spoiler-free episode. We want you to go and check out these films. This has a fantastic twist, um, and everything leading up to that point and everything after that point is also fantastic too. This is just Halloween set horror. It's got that October feel to it. Uh, it's funny. It's so camp, and it's really, really creepy. It is really campy in parts, but also really creepy. Yeah, It, it is almost as if it's aimed at kids, Yeah, but is adult, because, yeah. you know. Um, there's some really heavy uh, sort of subject matter, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, it almost fairy tale like. I suppose yeah. is what I'm going for. Yeah, with the way the parents act and the sort of acting choices as well. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed Cobweb. I, I highly recommend. Yeah, watching it. If it you're stars a horror fan. in the lead role as the kid, uh, Woody Norman, who was in Come On, Come On, mm. and he was fantastic in that. He's definitely an actor to watch out for. But the biggest scene stealers here are, of course, Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr, who, if you've seen the trailer, you'll know they are the sketchy looking parents. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, they had no right being this camp. They're giving the couple from possession. Yeah. She is definitely... And I, I swear she's dressed like Isabella Arjani uh-huh. in some scenes from possession. And yeah. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the stabbing of the pumpkin scene is one of the most camp things I've seen in some time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go and see that one on the big screen. Next up, we have T-Blockers, directed by Alice Mayo McKay. And this follows ancient parasites as they rise from a small town, taking the most fearful and susceptible hosts. A young filmmaker finds herself as the only one who can sense the possessed resistance before the horror escapes and spreads. So when we were going through the uh, Fretfest lineup this year, because you had to pick between your main screen and your discovery screens, this is one where we immediately said we have to see this. Film. Absolutely. We have to see it because it is everything, you know, we want to see in a film. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's fresh. It's a new and distinct voice in, in horror films. Mm. Um, again, like I said earlier, it's about, you know, audiences 
seeing themselves on the big screen yeah. so important and it's a fun almost trauma-ish yeah it's over the top um but it's got a message to it it's got a heart and really likable characters and just a fun time with, with you know bit of emotion as well you know yeah. what more do you want from a horror film yeah i mean you know there's gore in there it's, it's very much like uh think spring breakers meets body melt mm. um body melt i'm not saying just because it's australian um but it's how very... bishop's not in it no no but very much like this the cinematography of it reminded me um of, of some melt films uh from back in the day and you know there is a distinct mount scene in there, which is great as well. But it's never just... The focus isn't always just on the horror. It's very much the horror is the bigotry that we in the LGBTQ plus community have to face all the time. And mm -hmm. that is, you know, prominent throughout the entire film. Yeah, and I've said it time and time again on the podcast, and I truly believe it. Horror is more than any other genre capable of talking about real serious issues yeah in a fun and enjoyable uh -huh. way and it, i know it sounds silly but it's true you know more than any other genre horror can really talk about the horrors of real life of, yeah. of the day-to-day -day life and in a film like this it does it in a fun campy good for her cinematic universe kind of way. Yeah. And it's fun and it's cathartic and yeah, loved it. Loved it. Yeah. And in contrast to that, we have Departing Seniors directed by Claire Cooney, which follows witty high school senior Javier as he develops psychic abilities, which he must use to stop a mysterious serial killer targeting his classmates. Now, whereas T-Blockers, it very much focuses on, um, you know, the discrimination that we have to face in the LGBTQ plus community and uses that towards its plot. Uh, this actually, it features a character who is bullied in school, but it doesn't focus on the bullying. Mm. Now, I believe we need both in horror cinema. We need the films that highlight the struggles we have to go through in the community. But we also need films where it's not the focal point, where it's not, you know, the thing that the film revolves around. And whereas in T-Blockers, we have, you know, the film that focuses on the struggles we have to go through. The Parts and Seniors is the film that doesn't focus on that. This is a fun slasher film that that's a very rude motorbike outside interrupting me. Yeah. Um, Whoever you are. Um, but uh, Departed Seniors doesn't focus on that. Um, instead, this is a straight-up slasher comedy that is the slasher equivalent of That's So Raven. <laughs> yes. And whereas the character of Javier is concerned, he's bullied at school, but he bounces back from it, and he's very confident. And that was just... It feels like something I haven't seen in a queer film. No. Which is a very refreshing change. Yeah, and it, it kind of answers the question of what if you were able to see yourself in a classic slasher film yeah 
in terms of the horror, in terms of the slasherness of that's not a word, but I'm using it. Slasherness of the film, it's not reinventing the wheel. No. What it's doing is making the wheel gayer. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's bringing the, the, the screenwriter, forgive me, I can't remember his name. Um, the screenwriter, he essentially said, you know, I wanted one of my favourite films, the slasher genre, to include me. Yeah. You know, gay, um, in the lead. And uh, Hispanic. Yeah. Yeah, Jose Nateras uh, wrote the script and, yeah, he does a fantastic job. Um, between him and Claire Cooney, you know, the two of them have really made something that is just so entertaining, so much fun here. Um, you know, it doesn't have over-the-top gory curls. It's more... It's more Happy Death Day than Freaky, uh, if that makes sense, in the way that it's not focusing on big bloody curls. Mm. Um, but, you know... The references are in place. The characters are likable. Uh, the cast do a fantastic job. The soundtrack feels so late 90s, early 2000s. They've just, you know, this almost feels like a late 90s, early 2000s time capsule, but made in 2023. And I'm absolutely here for that. Yeah, yeah. And it remembers to be funny as well. It, it's the humour made me laugh. Yeah. Thank God. Because <laughs> yeah. there's nothing worse than a comedy that doesn't make you laugh. Let's, yes. let's be honest. Uh, next up for a film that is another, not an official comedy, but mm. uses comedic elements. Right. Uh, but definitely made us laugh. There's Suitable Flesh, directed by Joe Lynch. This follows a psychiatrist who becomes obsessed with one of her young clients with multiple personalities. So... If, like us, you love 90s erotic thrillers. Yes. <laughs> uh, if, like us, you love Stuart Gordon. Yes. And if, like us, you love Freaky Friday. <laughs> yes. This is the film for you. Yes. Which Freaky Friday? Well, we haven't seen the original, so <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. The Jamie Lee Curtis version. Yeah, it's high camp. It's so much fun ludicrous and just yeah just silliness yeah 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 I, I, i'm struggling to find the word to describe it well i hate to go back to malignant but this isn't too dissimilar to it's malignant. not too dissimilar in, in the way that malignant was a satirical approach on giallo films this is very much the same sort of film but with erotic thrillers Yes. And, of course, it's based on a H.P. Lovecraft story. Mm-hmm. Um, but this doesn't... This isn't your big uh, Lovecraft monster uh, neon lighting film. What you'd usually expect. This takes a completely different approach, and it really works. The main thing that does work in this film, um, the big selling point, and... You know, the one thing everyone needs to watch this for is the mixture of Judah Lewis, Barbara Crampton and Heather Graham in the three main roles. Because between the three of them going back and forth with the body swaps, it is high camp and it is so entertaining. Particularly my biggest standout was Heather Graham, who 
she just commands the screen throughout in this. She goes full camp. She doesn't hold back. And it's just so entertaining to watch. It's one of my favourite roles of hers. Yeah, Barbara Crampton is an actress who enjoys playing these sort of silly horror roles. Yeah. She, she's in on the joke. Yeah. She understands the assignment and she does it very, very mm-hmm. well. You know, she's an absolute queen of the horror genre. Heather Graham, we haven't seen her in a lot of these kind of films. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a little nervous that she might take it too seriously. Yeah. Or not be in on the joke or mm-hmm. being in on what these films are. But she was 100% committed yeah. to it. And she was amazing. It was high camp, glorious performance. I really, really thought she did a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, and she was the, the heart of the film. Her her and Barbara and Judah in particular. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I, I think the performances really made the film must-see entertainment yeah it's one of those films that is slightly off like you said Mm -hmm. with malignant there's something and it's hard to pinpoint what but it's slightly off yeah and in a good way and you're like oh okay yeah this is balls to the wall craziness and I'm here for it. Yeah, you even get saxophone solos during the sex scenes. That's how far it goes with its so homage to nineties erotic thrillers. Nineties erotic thriller, sex scenes. Yeah, yeah, glorious. If any of our previous listeners, any of our regular listeners, uh, anyone who's not here specifically for this uh, episode, if you recall when we spoke about Evil Never Sleeps with Heather Graham, yes. This is what that film would have been if it was a good film. Yeah. This yeah. this is what that film should have been. Yes. Uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our Evil Never Sleeps episode to hear us talk about Heather Graham punching Jesus. Or being punched no, by Jesus. Jesus punches being Heather punched Graham. by Jesus. Yes. And if that's not a selling point, then you're, well, you're listening to the wrong podcast, yeah. guys. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's fantastic. Heather Graham swapping bodies with a horny twink out on Shudder in October. Yeah. Next up, we have uh, one of my biggest surprises at the festival, uh, and of this year so far. It's New Life, directed by John Rosman. So this follows a mysterious woman on the run, and the resourceful fixer assigned to bring her in. They're two unique stories uh, linked together, and the stakes of the pursuit rise to apocalyptic proportions. Now, this is one of those Fright Fest films where I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about it going in. Um... You know, I saw the poster, and that had me intrigued. Fantastic poster. Very good poster. Fantastic poster. And it poster. really does a good job of describing what this film is. Yeah. Um, and I was absolutely blown away. This is John Rosman's directorial debut. He's done nothing at Nothing at all. No nothing shorts. Nothing at nothing. all. Nothing. Absolutely wow. nothing. This is his first film, and that is insane. Yeah. This is amazing. Again, another film... Big twist that changes things halfway through. Um, but the basic premise is this woman who... She's on the run. There's something up with her. We don't know what it is. Um, but the person going after her has ALS. Yes. And it's rare that characters of ALS are featured in films, let alone in horror films. Um, but here it's dealt with in such a brilliant way that both raises awareness 
of ALS. Uh, I mean, I learned a lot from this film about ALS that I didn't know before, but also adds to her character, but not in a way that feels like a cheap plot point. It's very true. And it's, it can be a fine line Yeah, with using, you know, a disability as a plot point. It can come off cheap. Yeah. And it didn't in this. No. It really didn't. And I felt like the film had something to say. Yeah. You know, and obviously I'm not going to give too much away, mm. um, but it also was thrilling. Yeah. It was the characters I was invested in. Mm -hmm. It was very emotional at times. And I just really think, yeah, fantastic, really, and great performances really as well. Really great performances. I didn't, I, I didn't recognize the actresses. I, I think one of them was from a, a TV show, um, that we don't watch. Yeah. Um, what What was her name? Excuse me. Uh, Sonia Welger plays the lead Elsa. Yeah, I think um, I think she was in. And Haley Aaron plays Jessica, the character she's going after. Sonia, we know from Anderson Falls, by the way. Oh no! Um, just for it. <laughs> You know that one. The lesson of um, Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just really think, especially for a directorial debut, yeah. really fantastic work. And I can't wait to see more from yeah. uh, John Rosman. Yeah, no, yeah really fantastic. I This is one where I don't know about releases, but I really hope this gets a big release. It's, it, it deserves it. Because it looks like a massive it, film. It, it does. You know, it the, does. The, the poster is really well made. Yeah. The film looked fantastic you know i i really did and i keep saying fantastic i don't know why uh it, it really did look great it would be perfect for we'll put it on netflix or, or something i genuinely feel if it went onto netflix yeah. it would be one of those buzz films yeah and yeah no, definitely. hopefully remembered because those yeah. buzz films tend to get forgotten but it would i, I would like to see a, a big audience yeah for this no absolutely so Enter the Clones of Bruce is up next, directed by David Gregory. And this is a documentary that dives into the Bruce Lee exploitation craze, otherwise known as Bruce Bloitation. We watched a few documentaries this year at Fright Fest. This one is by far the best we've watched and one of the best documentaries that I've watched this year. It's so fucking good. It's really well researched. It's quite funny at times. Always interesting. Yeah. Um. I I don't know how long it took to make or how long it took to get everyone to agree to be interviewed, but it must have been real painstaking stuff. Yeah. Um. Everyone involved who you know is, is still with us is interviewed. Mm -hmm. Um. Fascinating. I now have a giant list of films on my watch list mm -hmm. that I have to watch. Because of this, um, really great stuff. If you enjoy film history, yeah, you know, a documentary like this is so refreshing in that it doesn't just sort of go, well, this happened and this happened and this and this is what we, you know, it really gets the people involved, involved yeah. in the documentary. Uh -huh. I, I really really appreciated that it doesn't leave anything out either this is one of those documentaries where it deals with everything in its subject matter and i don't think there's anything else it could have gone into and it never feels overstuffed either 
It also has great visuals. It's stylish. It doesn't just feel like a standard Talking Heads documentary. This is, you know, the real deal. This is some great documentary filmmaking about a really bizarre subject matter. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, with a film like this, that is it's very specific about a very specific set of films in a very specific time. Yeah. You, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, but it, I, the, the filmmakers have to be truly invested and yeah. real fans of the genre and real fans of the films being discussed. And you really get that sense. Oh, definitely. You yeah. really do. And, However painstaking it must have been or time consuming, it would have been a pleasurable experience for them to make this and to yeah. do this research and to meet and talk to the people that they met and spoke to. Yeah. You know, and it, it's clear mm-hmm. on the screen, you know, and it's produced yeah. by Severin, isn't it? It is. Who yeah. always, you know, have a love for, for this kind of cinema. I actually have no idea how many Bruce Plotation films existed. I had no idea. Like they're not they're not all on the watch list, let's be clear. The way they exploited his death was crazy to me. Like I had no idea about any of this. This is ridiculous. I didn't even realise Game of Death was one of these films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, learn really learnt a lot, definitely. Next up we have My Mother's Eyes. Uh, which is a sci-fi horror film directed by Takeshi Koshida. And it follows both Hitomi and her daughter, Eri, who they are two cellists, who are involved in a traffic accident, leaving Hitomi without sight and Eri paralyzed. Whilst Hitomi wears camera-equipped contact lenses and Eri wears VR goggles, the two share one vision. Um, So this was the opening film of... Final day of Breakfast. Yes. Putting it as an opening film was a choice because, oh my God, this is ASMR. It is. Um, let's make something abundantly clear. This film is not for everyone. No. This is a slow burn. Yeah. This is a rather quiet film mm-hmm. for a lot of it. Like Gary said, ASMR. Um it feels weird to say, but it felt deliberate. Like, yeah, the sounds and the visuals are the kind of shit that I listen to and watch to help me go to sleep. Yeah. For the most part, you know, and like I said, it was a slow burn. It does burn to something. It does. It does happen. Yeah. I'm not going to give it away, but it's a film that you have to stick with if you're not inclined to enjoy slow burns. Yeah. Um, we we do we enjoy yeah. that kind of cinema, um, so we had a fantastic time yeah. with it. Like Gary said, it was the first film of the day. Maybe, you know, could have been a little later. Yeah, after a, a cup of coffee or two. <laughs> um, but if you enjoy this kind of thing, it doesn't get much better. Yeah, this is amazing. Uh, Takeshi Kushida also did Women of the Photographs which is also great, but this is even better than that. This doesn't feel too dissimilar to New Religion. I really like this new wave of J-horror that's coming about um, where, you know, there are very human stories being told, but with supernatural elements in there. And, um, 
that again, you know, it's the film where something is off. Something feels off throughout yes. it, but it had me absolutely gripped from start to finish. Amazing performances. It looks amazing. And the use of sound, you know, as I said, it is very much ASMR, but it's so important to the film. Uh, you know, the way the classical music's used and everything, it, it's a cliche to say, I know, but it does feel like an extra character. Uh, and it really does drive the plot forward. But you know, I was just absolutely taken aback by this film and just how fantastic and how eerie it is. Yeah, and it plays out, I think, like a, a piece of music. Yeah. Like slow, steady to begin with. Yeah. And then builds, builds very slowly until ultimately whatever happens yeah. at the end happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Which you'll have to watch the film to find out. That's true. <laughs> Before we get to our um well this whole list hasn't been in any sort of order, but no. we do have a favourite. And we do. that is what we'll get to shortly. Before we get to that point, we do have some honourable mentions. We have Where the Devil Roams, uh, another film I knew nothing about and was blown away by. Yeah, I hadn't heard much about the Adams family. Um, so Toby Poser and John Adams, mm-hmm. who and, and their two daughters mm-hmm. that have made a few films together, yeah. and I, I wasn't quite clued up on it, unfortunately. Um, before watching this and it was yeah a really great film another slow burn yeah you know and almost a horror version of bonnie and clyde Mm -hmm. uh, which was very interesting and um there's some very sort of memorable characters yeah definitely and again a very memorable ending too uh otto baxter not a fucking horror story slash the puppet asylum his short film which was uh, a documentary about the making of the Puppet Asylum, but also about Otto Baxter's life, uh, a director with Down syndrome, and this was just so heartwarming, so good. It really was, and it was very a very honest documentary, as well. Yeah. And Otto Baxter is is such a interesting and likable person. Yeah. That you couldn't help but smile and feel emotional throughout the documentary mm. and then to watch the short film afterwards and how fantastic that yeah. was, it, it was really a triumph. Yeah, absolutely. And that's um, Sky, Sky, Sky. Sky this month. So it's released in cinemas um, today. today and it's Sky. So I think it's going to be on Sky Arts or documentaries yeah. by the end of the month. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really recommend that. Yeah. Uh, Wreck, Terror Without Pause. If you are a fan of Wreck, it's a no-brainer. You have to see this documentary. It goes into all the little details about the making of the film and just how much passion went into it and how surprised the filmmakers were with how much of a big success it was and still is to this day. Um, if if you have the slightest interest in Wreck, you need to see this. Yeah, um, for me, it would make a great extra on yeah. a big deluxe edition Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And um, next up, we have Dr. Jekyll. Yes, starring uh, Eddie Azad. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed this take on Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. Part exploitation, mm-hmm. part hammer film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. It was yeah. just a really en- enjoyable film. Yeah, good old modernised uh, version of a classic tale. Mm. And that is uh, going to be released 
in October, I believe. Nice. We have Perfect the J- for October. Yeah. The J-Horror Virus, which is a documentary about the J-Horror boom from the late 90s and 2000s, uh, which is fairly interesting. A lot of great stuff in there. Again, more films for the watch list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot. It was interesting to take um, the ring wasn't the beginning. Yeah. It was almost the end. Yeah. Of what we know as J-horror. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, like, like Gary said, films now on the watch list. Definitely. Uh, I have the more which was a very exciting directorial debut, uh, part of the new Bloodstrand Brightfest, and, uh, a, you know, a very, very bleak drama um, with some supernatural horror elements thrown in. That was just really creepy. Yeah, another film, I, I don't know if it's a theme going on, a, a film that slow yeah, and then goes to a, a quite exciting end. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as for the feature length, uh, honourable mentions, my final one is Punch, which is a seaside slasher. If anyone's ever wanted to see the most British slasher you'll ever see, this is your film. This is British through and through. Um, And if... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's the selling point, I suppose. Very, very British. And uh, two short films, as honourable mentions. Uh, Foresight, it's just one minute, and it's hilarious what it builds up to. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I can't say too much without giving it away. Yeah. Yeah. You said all that needed to be said. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Death Snot, which was absolutely disgusting in the best way possible. Ew, it's exactly what it says on the tin, and I wasn't best pleased. I chose to eat my Greg's baguette at the wrong time. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> and now on to our final highlight of Fright Fest 2023. This is our favourite film of the festival. An absolute masterpiece. Uh, and quite possibly the best film I've ever seen at Fright Fest. It is River, directed by Junta Yamaguchi, who also did Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Yes, which is another five-star masterpiece. Yeah, it follows Makoto, a waitress who works at Fujia, as she is called back to work by the uh, proprietress uh, while standing by the Kibun River beyond the annex. However, two minutes later, for some reason, she finds herself once again fighting, not fighting, she does not fight the river, facing the the Kibune (laughs) River. So this very similar premise to Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, but somehow Yamaguchi manages to make this completely different. Yeah, so it's another film that deals with a time loop or, you know, an issue with time. Yeah. Um, But this one isn't isn't dealing with the sort of um ins and outs no if you if you understand what i mean just just in terms of the filmmaking process of the continuity of it all yeah. is it whereas beyond the infinite 2 minutes was very clever in its execution in keeping everything balanced and making sure Cinema Sins was happy. Do you yeah. do you understand what I mean by that? Whereas this one is the loop. 
the loop exists and that's it. And people have to deal with that. Yeah. And it's a film about human relationships. Mm -hmm. It's a film about time. Yeah. It's a film about life, really. All that encompasses. And about growth and the future and the past and the present. And it was beautifully executed. I loved the performances. I loved the visuals. It top notch, just really beautiful. It's, it's the only word I can. Every aspect of it, it is, is beautiful. It, it is. really was. You know, it is about the chaos and stress that you have to face on a daily basis, and what we do to keep hold of two minutes away from that, but on the loop. And with that, does come some dark consequences later on. But it never stops being funny. No, it's so funny from start to finish. Oh yeah. Um, you know, the big resolution is so over the top and stupid, but it's so funny and so entertaining. And again, this isn't even close to a horror film. No, this, this is not no, horror in the slightest. No. It's you know, it's, it's barely, fantasy. It's barely sci-fi. It's this is a straight up comedy. Yeah, I mean, I'd say fantasy as well. It is. It is mostly a comedy, um, and it's just it's just incredible. It just gives you that sort of warm feeling inside. That sort of comforting feeling, even though it was our first time watching this film. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just one of those films that just it feels like a big hug. It's just, it's amazing. It yeah. really, really is amazing. Yeah, just a really pleasant experience. Yeah, I, I never thought you know I'd see a film like this at fright festival places, um, but you know here we are. And as I said, as far as uh, as far as it goes for me, it is the best film I've ever seen at fright fest. And you know we've watched some great films, but this was just incredible. I I cannot wait to watch it again. Yeah. So that is... And that's going to be released... I believe... I don't know why, uh, but I can't find it anywhere online now, but I swear I read it's being released in March by in Third March. Window. Yes. Third Window Films. Wow, do we really have to wait that long? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So getting to the awards, for anyone who's new, we have awards at the end of each episode uh, where we'd give a film certain little pats on the back for certain things. Uh, but of course, we're discussing a bunch of films here, so we're not going to give it to individual films. It's for Frightfest as a whole, and the films we watched, and whatever deserves awards. So first up, Biggest Queen, I have Heather Graham in Suitable Flesh. It's Heather Graham in Suitable Flesh, definitely. You know, having sex in the office with your heels on, girl, you're getting Biggest Queen. Yes. <laughs> Biggest Gasp, I have the twist reveal in New Life. I have how much Bruce Lee's actual dead body was used in marketing of a film. Yes. Yeah. Something that was we learned from Enter the Clones of Bruce and we were horrified just how much his funeral and pictures of his corpse were used. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even in posters. Like, oh yeah. my God. Uh, best scare, which is taking over best dialogue for this episode. Uh, I am giving it to Betty Gabriel's chase scene in It Lives Inside. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, it Lives Inside for me was probably the scariest of the films. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, this that's... sequence in particular is very well edited. Um, Betty Gabriel is just amazing. Oh, we love and... Betty Gabriel. If you put her in... There were certain actresses where if you put them in danger, it's always going to have a yeah. slightly more effect on us uh -huh. because we love Betty Gabriel. We love everything she's done. So. 
And finally, that's camp. I give it to Janice Ian from Mean Girls aggressively stabbing a pumpkin in Cobweb as well as the ever weird and camp goings on between her and Anthony Starr. And I'm giving that camp to a film we haven't mentioned yet. We have, we have not. Because it certainly <laughs> wasn't in the top ten and didn't really deserve an honourable mention. But it's Piper. Yeah. Piper is a film based on the Pied Piper of Hamlin tale starring Elizabeth Hurley. Yes. And within this film, and it, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. It's not. I won't tell you the who, why's or, or what's. No, I won't tell you the why's. I'll tell you the who's and the what's. Elizabeth Hurley whipping herself <laughs> whilst still wearing a shirt for some reason. <laughs> High camp, high camp. The whole film is high camp, but that particularly just seeing Elizabeth Hurley doing that. Every second of Elizabeth Hurley's screen time in this film is camp. Is camp, yes. Um, Her you know, versus the rats. If you enjoy the films we'd usually discuss on this podcast, then you need to see Piper. We, it, it's yeah, it's neither terrible nor fantastic, but it's camp. It's so camp, yeah. yeah. And if uh, you're at Fright Fest, you want to talk to us about what you watch, then we are Horror Court Trash over on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker 823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. And if you like what you've heard of today, give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like a follow on everything else. Next week on Tuesday, it's our first single episode week in a while. Thank God, or time off. Bloody hell. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be enough to make up for two episodes. Oh, fucking hell. I'm saying this, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't (laughs) seen it yet, so I can't say it, but I think it will be. It might be. We will be discussing Titanic 666. Yeah. I haven't seen the other 665 films, but, you know... Oh wait, we have seen Titanic 2. Seen Titanic 2. We have seen Titanic 2. Um, seen Titanic, the legend goes on. Oh, we have. Don't know where yeah. that falls in the canon. <laughs> uh, but yes, Tuesday, Titanic 666. We'll be back, same time, same place then. Bye. Bye.